It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation who's saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. I hope you had a great bye week. You probably weren't on a bye week. You probably worked. You probably got on with your life. But we're off the Raider bye week, and I'm thrilled to be back here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. and on the Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's doing well, and I'm excited for a big week of Raiders radio here this week because we got a lot to cover. As the Houston Texans are coming to town, we get a home game at Allegiant Stadium. And as I tweeted out earlier today, and I'll be tweeting out all week, it's time to get going. Now is the time where the Raiders have had their back against the wall. Their back is now pressed up against the wall. They got to fight out of this corner that they're in. They got to fight out of it and kind of get their head above water. All these cliches in sports, it has to happen now. It has to happen this week if there's any chance of us talking about a successful season when it comes to wins and losses. That's the best way I can say it. There is no other way to say it other than that. If the Raiders are about to go on a march... And the march is coming. It has to start absolutely right now this week. And you know it. I just said it. And we're going to talk about it this week. And hopefully there's some optimism here. Because if I can't be optimistic about this week, when will I ever be? And this is a week that I think everybody should be upbeat, excited, because we have the week to do that coming up by week with an opponent that I believe that the Raiders should be able to win, but it will not be easy. It will not be easy at all. It might be hard because everything that could go wrong this season has gone wrong this season. So everything has been difficult and hard for a number of reasons. Snake bit, bad luck, you've heard that all the time, right? Uh, not communicating correctly, not making plays, you know, not n- learning how to win. You've got to learn how not to lose before you win. You've heard all of these lines now since a really productive training camp in an offseason. The offseason was incredible. It really was. It was magical. Uh, They had to make a transition. They made a transition with two gentlemen from the Patriots and the winning ways of New England. They brought in scouts and a new staff and coaches. Everything looked pretty good. They had a good training camp, and they went 4-0 in the preseason, including a trip to Canton, Ohio, Cliff Branch, and everything that went on there. Then the season started, and it's been just brutal. It's been absolutely brutal what's happened so far in this regular season. But as I told you, when the schedule came out, and I was one of the only people pissed off when the schedule came out, you liked it, I didn't. I told you it was front heavy loaded and back heavy loaded. That was it. It was going to be very difficult for this team at times. They had to manage the early part of the schedule. They did not. They failed in the early part of the schedule going one and four. I mean, two and three would have looked magical. At this point in time, and three and two was reasonable. When you look at the games they lost, especially to Kansas City up 17 nothing and Arizona up 20 to nothing in that game. And they add on of the Denver win. This could have been a three win team at a minimum, a two win team, and they went through the minimum floor to one. But we all know that. So again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on where they're at now other than concentrating on the Houston Texans and what the Raiders need to do to win this game. 
and what the Raiders can do to kind of get off the mat and get going again. So we'll do a deep dive this week on all of this, and we'll get your opinions on this, and we'll find out where you think the Raiders are going. A couple of things as I put in my prep this week, and we have already, and I'm taking a look at what's in front of us. The Raiders on defense, which has not improved. They got rid of Gus Bradley. They brought in Patrick Graham. They have not improved. I don't know why. I think some of it had to do with injuries. Merrig and Perryman were out for two games in a row. You know, they haven't got anything out of Chandler Jones. Well, they got something out of him, but they haven't got a lot out of Chandler Jones just yet. Rocky Sin is not an upgrade from Casey Hayward. I think we can all admit to that. So there's some issues here with the Raiders as we take a look at their personnel, which is Dave Ziegler's job to fix, and I know he is. I know he's working the phones, and he's trying to upgrade the team any way possible. He is. And they did a lot with money this offseason. Man, they paid people around here like you wouldn't believe. They got Guys got the bag. That's a term my sons use. Oh, Dad, Waller got the bag. Carr got the bag. Whatever that term means, they, yeah, they did. They got the bag. They got paid. And then the other people on the team, the players, are being told you're on a week-by-week basis. We're not going to renew your contract such as Josh Jacobs, who looks like he's going to get something going here because he's playing great, Jonathan Abram. And then they brought in a bunch of young kids on the offensive line because they didn't have a first and second round pick because of Devontae. And they're getting something out of those guys. They are. They're getting something out of Thayer Mumford. Thayer Mumford played better than Alex Leatherwood, who went 17th overall. And Dylan Parham can play multiple positions. So they look like they found players up front, which is not a strength of the team going forward. And now they have to figure out how to plug the rest of the holes. So that's where we are coming in with the Houston Texans only giving up 19.8 points a game. Holy crap. Here we go again. The Texans are coming in. It's my job to tell you how good this team is defensively. And they are very good defensively. Lovey Smith, I don't think, is a great head coach. But he knows how to coach defense. And this defense is giving up 19.8 points a game. They've given up a total of 99 points this year, as the Las Vegas Raiders have given up 130 points this year. The Raiders rushing. This is rushing defense. How many points? That's what I look at, man. If you listen to my show, I look at the defensive stats. Rushing defense. The Las Vegas Raiders give up 103 yards a game. The Houston Texans give up 164.8. So we'll round that up to 165. They are on average giving up 165 yards a game. Josh Jacobs, the last two games, has been a 150-yard guy. So the Raiders could have an advantage in running the football in this game. And when it comes to passing defense, Houston's given up 249. Raiders are giving up 256. They're very similar there. But Houston you know, gives up over 400 yards a game, 414. The Raiders give up 359, rounded up to 360. So statistically here, I'm looking at this defense, and for whatever reason, what did I just tell you? You're smarter than me. This is a classic example of a bend-don't-break defense. Houston will give up yards. They'll give up rushing yards, total yards, but they won't let you in the end zone, which is really important. And what's the problem with the Raiders? It's their red zone offense. They don't get in the end zone. They kick field goals. So that is going to have to change. And I think that could change in this game. Again, the Raiders are a better team than Houston. They have to show this. Now, Houston on offense is only scoring 17 points a game. 17. 
That's it for the whole game. That's what they're averaging. And when it comes to the Raiders' offense, the Raiders are putting up 25 a game. So the Raiders have a better offense, too. And we got to find out what's happening this week. I'll be in the building on Tuesday and Thursday. And we'll get a feel for Hunter Renfro, who's been back in clear protocol, but he hasn't been himself. Darren Waller, who had the hamstring. I would hope he's ready to go after a bye week with a hamstring. If not, that's a problem. I would hope he's clearly close to 100% ready to go. Uh, Last week, we spent most of the week talking about Devontae uh, pushing a civilian to the ground in Kansas City. And I'm starting to get the feel that he's not going to be suspended as the league is taking their time here, but they didn't have to last week for any reason because the Raiders are on a bye week. So it's a completely different scenario this week. But I think we feel pretty good that Devontae will be around. I'm not guaranteeing anything. And then Derek Carr's ability. Uh, I think this is a big week for Derek. It it truly is. Derek's got to have a big week. Derek's got to put up some points against a team that doesn't give up 20 points a game. And he's got to be explosive. And he's got to have a big week. And I think he'll be able to do that there. I just got back from Oklahoma. I visited my oldest son. He's a senior. So I had a great trip. Went to uh, Norman, Oklahoma on Friday. Uh, Got back yesterday on Sunday. Went to Oklahoma-Kansas game. They won. That was a lot of fun. I brought my best friend with me and my son's uncle. So we had a good weekend out there with my son. Good dad-son weekend and some bonding. Done that the last two weekends in a row. Went to Arizona State to see my youngest and my senior at Oklahoma. So spiritually, I feel great seeing my kids, having a good time. And then coming back this week, I'm excited to really put my head down with the Raiders Roundtable podcast. We do that on Tuesday. My interview with the head coach, Josh McDaniels, every Thursday. We play that on Thursday or Friday. And then on Friday, I'll be with Charles Woodson, part of Charles Woodson's golf tournament. It's Charles is coming here, proud partner of our show, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. And we'll be out with Charles on Friday at TPC Summerlin. He's an icon. He's a Raider icon. He's a legend, Super Bowl champion, Heisman Trophy winner. So Charles is going to be around here in Vegas on Thursday and Friday. So I'm really looking forward to that. Now I want to hear from you. I kind of kept the show open. We have Miles Simmons later from Pro Football Focus. I have Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. And we'll talk to him a little bit later on in the show. He's going to join us. And uh, I'm working on Romocop, Bill Romanowski, who is always available for me. And he wants to come on and we could talk about that. All right. The Raiders didn't get any mention in the national media at all this weekend because they have one win. That's the problem when you have one win. No one talks about you. They didn't talk about them on Fox NFL Sunday. They didn't talk about them on NFL Countdown. No one's talking about the Raiders. The NFL media has left the Raiders behind to go to the Bills in Kansas City. Kansas City lost to the Bills 24 to 20. Kansas City drops to four and two. Now, if the Raiders had them dead, they had Kansas City dead, and Kansas City would have been 3-3, three and three, and the Raiders would be right there in the hunt tonight, right in the hunt with what we're going to see on Monday Night Football with Denver and the Chargers. And before I get ahead of myself, who are you pulling for tonight? I, I guess you got to pull for Denver, right? Because you don't want the Chargers. Chargers have been very lucky. Raiders a snake bit. Chargers have been pretty lucky this year, and we know that Denver's not going to be very good. Some analysts thought that it would take Denver a little while to get going, but we've seen them enough to know that Denver's not very good. And even if they win a game or two, they shouldn't win many more. So I guess we're pulling for the Broncos tonight because the Chargers, if they get hot, Chargers can win seven or eight in a row. I mean, the Chargers roster is right behind the Bills in Kansas City. Some people think when healthy, better than Kansas City. So am I right to say that we're all on Denver tonight? 
to beat the Chargers? I'd like your opinion on that, 702-365-9200. So with the bye week, I'm trying to think about what Josh McDaniels did. I have no idea. I'm assuming he's he's a workaholic. They're workaholics. So I'm assuming they were working. I'm assuming the veterans were here. But the biggest news was the birth of Max Crosby's daughter. So Max is a friend, friend of the show. We text. I'm really happy for him. I'm happy for Max. Another girl dad. So congratulations to Max Crosby as he's pretty excited about this. The the life of Max Crosby is a movie, everybody. We thought that movie was going to be the Disney movie of Josh Jacobs, who was living in his car at one point and then went to Alabama, went to the Raiders. I haven't heard much about that movie update if it's still in development. You want to make a movie, make a movie on the life of Max Crosby or Darren Waller, and Max's story is incredible of what he's done uh, with alcohol, putting that behind him to be a great husband and father and to be one of the top, I think he's a top 10 defensive player in the entire league, in the entire league. That's how much havoc he's calling. Uh, causing. Max is going to have to have a big game against Houston. And J.J. Watt made his name, which is probably a Hall of Fame career for J.J. Watt because he was an NFL Man of the Year. Plus, he was the Defensive Player of the Year three times. He's got enough on his resume, even though the last couple of years he's been constantly hurt. J.J. Watt had a brilliant career, one of the all-time great Houston Texan players. And I think Max is becoming J.J. Watt. Is that a fair comparison? You know, Max has got a lot to do to get to J.J. Watt because J.J. Watt has been the Defensive Player of the Year multiple times. But Max is trending in that direction. So I wanted to put that into the monologue, too. Because I think Max coming off the bye week, blessed with a new baby, uh, being on the field a lot, I think that Max is going to be able to step up and have a big game here. And hopefully the rest did Chandler Jones some good. Because as I talked about Chandler Jones, I think his big issue is that he's got boxer's legs. He's an older boxer, and it's taken his legs time to activate. I know boxing as good as anyone you'll hear on the radio, and that is something we've talked about for decades with older boxers. It takes their legs time to activate and get going to a level where they can get back to the prime of their career. I think that's what's happening with Chandler Jones. Now he's at the point coming off the bye week. He's seen everything. He's got to be pretty explosive. But I also want to talk about two other players. I want to get Josh Jacobs in here. Josh Jacobs has been fantastic. And the Raiders' rushing attack is now legitimate because of Josh Jacobs. Now, is he playing better because it's a contract year? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure he wants to get paid and get a contract. And the Raiders are rushing it for a 121 yards a game. So they're a little bit above the middle of the pack here. You know, the Browns are at 172 with Chubb. The Bears are at 170 because their quarterback is running for his life on every play. Atlanta has Marcus Mariota, who has a better record than the Raiders. They're running it for 165. But the Raiders have got some nice momentum now when it comes to this running game and what they're able to do. So I think Josh Jacobs is going to have to be electric in this Houston game. Now, as I talk to Eric Allen, another great legend in the NFL, I remind him because he loves the running game. If the Raiders decide to run it more so, if that's going to be their character and that's going to be who they are, everybody's been asking that question constantly. Who are the Raiders? What are the Raiders? Are they a running team or a throwing team? They're a throwing team. They got Devontae Adams. If they're going to be a running team, they should have never got Devontae Adams. Go get someone good. 
Go get someone good who's not Devontae and run the hell out of the ball and have some good receivers. They went out and got Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the absolute prime of his career. Period. They're a throwing team. Derek Carr is a throwing quarterback who can attack and put up big numbers. Darren Waller is not a blocking tight end, right? Darren Waller's not here to block. Foster Moreau is to make a play or two. Darren Waller is explosive. And the same thing with Hunter Renfro. And Hunter, because of the concussion and being out two weeks, is also an issue for me because Hunter's not right yet. And I thought that the one guarantee we would see so far coming out of training camp and the preseason where no one played, no one played, is that Hunter Renfro would become Julian Edelman, uh, Amendola. He would become Wes Welker quickly here in this offense, and that hasn't been the case. Hasn't been the case at all. And that's a really important part, I think, of the legacy of Josh McDaniels as a brilliant play caller, is getting Gronk involved, Edelman, Amendola, Welker, getting Randy Moss and other wide receivers involved with Brady. Now, Carr isn't Brady, but Carr's pretty good. He's a good quarterback. He's not elite, but he's outside that elite category. And that's got to get going here over the bye week. I thought it was really important that Josh McDaniel said after a recent press conference, they're going to go with what's working, and they're going to have a bucket of things that aren't working, and maybe they throw it out. Or maybe they worked on it, and they're going to work on how to tweak it and get it better again. I believe that the Raiders' strength is throwing the football. I believe the only chance the Raiders have to get back into the playoff conversation is they have to embrace the bleep and shootout. They did with Kansas City, and they scored 30 without Darren Waller playing in the game. As he got pulled early, they scored 30 points. I believe the Raiders, at a minimum, as they're averaging 25 points a game, should average 31 or 32 every game because of the weapons that they have. And now the offensive line is starting to come together. So Josh Jacobs in the running game, feed them all you want. If you're going to run them, you're going to play closer games. I don't want close games. I don't want to see the Raiders in a close game in the fourth quarter with the Texans or the Jaguars or the Saints coming up here. I think the Raiders have to bludgeon those teams. I think they have to pound them and they have to go up 14. Then they have to go up 17. Then they have to go up double digits into the 20s. If you run the ball, you're using the clock, you're running the ball, and there are some teams that can run it down your throat, but the Raiders aren't going to run it down your throat. They're not an elite running team. They've been elite the last couple of weeks with Josh Jacobs because Jacobs got going. So I think the Raiders had to make a decision over the bye week on who they are. And if they want to become a running team and the coaches believe in it and the quarterback believes in it, go ahead. But I believe that I'm looking at the schedule where the Raiders got to go on a run and that run's got to start now. And if that run's going to start, this team needs to find a way where they're going to embrace the shootout and be explosive. Because I got a lot of content this week, a lot. And most of the content tells me that the Giants are winning, the Jets are winning, the Raiders put 30 up unanswered on the Eagles last year, the Eagles are the best team in football. I'm looking around at other teams, and you know they're not blanking and moaning about their offensive line anymore. That party has left everybody. The Raiders went from seven offensive linemen down to their starting five, and they played reasonably well the last couple of weeks. They have. They played well in Kansas City. And I think they played well against Denver. So it's not like, oh, me, oh, my, oh, forget about it. Derek doesn't have an offensive line. Stop. You think the Giants have an offensive line? Giants are 5-1. and one. 
Giants are getting it done. Giants were down 10 points to Lamar Jackson with Daniel Jones at quarterback, and they won yesterday. They're finding a way to win. Teams are winning now. You can't tell me that Marcus Mariota is better than Derek Carr. Marcus Mariota left this organization. Now he has a better record than Derek Carr. So I have a whole bunch of teams around the league that are playing better than the Raiders, but I think the Raiders are playing very close to what some teams with four or five wins have. I think if the Raiders played the Jets or the Giants in back-to-back weeks, they'd beat them, unlike Green Bay. Because I think the Raiders have better personnel, but those teams are winning. And God knows how they're doing it. They're blocking punts. They're making kicks. They're getting off the field on third down. They're doing what they need to do. And the Raiders can't find a way just to kind of put it all together and start playing to the best of their ability. So you serve up the Houston Texans. You serve up the Houston Texans on a bleeping platter. And instead of saying, oh, no, man, we're going to find a way to lose. I'm talking about the fans, not the players. Oh, no, if it's close, we're going to blow it again. No, is to get on the radio this week on the flagship and talk about how this team could be dominant. And I swear to you, I swear, I've never lied to you once in my life. Never lied. I might have exaggerated. I've never lied. I am telling you right now that this team can go on a roll. And they can, I'm not predicting back-to-back wins in New Orleans and Jacksonville. I got Raider fans telling me they're going to win six in a row. I'm like, stop. Win another game. But I think they can win the next two out of three. Hopefully three out of three. If they win the next two out of three, okay, and they get to that point here where they're at three and five with still games that they can win. Seattle's winning with Geno Smith. Seattle's winning with Geno Smith. They were saying they were going to lose every game this year on the radio in Seattle. Uh, Pittsburgh just beat Tom Brady. They got a quarterback problem. They're on the Raiders' schedule. I'm looking at these teams that the Raiders can beat. I'd love to play Jimmy G right now. I would love the Niners and the Raiders to play this week instead of New Year's Day where all fans are going to be hung over trying to get to that early game. I'd love to play them now because I think the Raiders can beat that team. The Raiders are going to play the Rams on Thursday night football. They're nowhere near the team they were. Their offensive line is a mess, and the Raiders have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. And Stafford gets sacked every game a lot. So there are every game you can look at and say, you know, they can win all these games. They get the Chargers and the Chiefs at home. So if the, Ra- if the Raiders were 1-4 and four and they had to go to L.A. and play the Chargers and Kansas City again, I'd be like, all right, they get them at home. There's a lot to be optimistic about in a season of negativity and bad breaks. That's the point of the monologue brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. I thank Golden Entertainment as they fuel the monologue. This has been a season in Raider history of bad breaks, bad luck, chaotic losses, a collapse against Arizona, Kansas City, they had them on the ropes. That's all in the past. I want to get some positivity going here. Want to get a W. Want to be at the torch, hanging out with Eric Allen with our guest and going, hey, man, the Raiders feel like they're back. But that's going to take care of, they're going to have to take care of business. They got to come flying out of this bye week, flying out of the bye week, ready to roll. Let's get you ready to roll, and let's not wait another half hour to go. Show started 20 minutes ago, 702-365-9200. Let's get out to Chris in West Oakland. Hello, Chris. Hey, JT, glad you had a great time with your sons the last couple of weekends, just reliving your old frat days, it sounds like. But 
Um, look, before I talk about going forward, you know, the, the Houston Texan game, I didn't get a chance much last week. I want to just go back a little bit and hit some of the points you've said about this team and where we are right now. Number one, let's talk about the KC game. I was on record. I'm not one of these people that was going to rip McDaniels for going for the two-point conversion. The way the defense was playing at that point in the time, I had no problem. I didn't like the play call, not the decision. I think asking Josh Jacobs to run the ball up the middle out of the shotgun when you need three yards is different than needing a yard. Then at the end of the game, when you had two chances to get one yard and Jacobs is running great, you go to the air both times. It's just questionable play calls, not the decision to go for it. I don't have the decision problem with on third and one to take a shot on, on up the field. If Devontae Adams catches that ball, the Raiders probably win the game. But that that's in the past now. Let's move forward a little bit. Josh Jacobs, you're talking about the Raiders' identity. Look, Josh Jacobs is playing great this year, and I've been saying all along, too, you know, it's a contract year. All these nagging injuries that guys seem to miss, all of a sudden when they get to a contract year, they don't seem to have these little nagging injuries and they play harder than ever. That's great. I'm not throwing any stones, so let's ride them. But for all the people that think the Raiders are a running team, they lack the most important thing running football teams need, and that's a solid defense. And what you said in the monologue is what I'm going to go over verbatim. Why haven't things changed, JT? Because they haven't vastly changed their personnel. And I'm not getting, uh, giving Dave Ziegler a pass like you said on the postgame show. They inherited players. They got hired in January. They had plenty of time to watch film. Other than Max Crosby, there's not a single difference maker on this defense, which is what worries me going forward because 10 wins is going to be probably the minimum in the AFC to make the playoffs. That means the Raiders have to go 9-3. and three. The offense is rounding into form. They're actually 8th in the league in total offense and points scored. But here we are in familiar territory, 30th in defense, dead last in turnovers. JT, it's the definition of insanity. You want to know why we can't cover tight ends in the middle of the field? Because our safeties suck. You like Trayvon Merrick? I like him too. He's a nice kid. 22 games in, when's he going to make a freaking play? Guys with potential show flashes. But I'm going to get to Rocky Sin. Five years in the league, he's got two interceptions. You look at teams with real defenses, Buffalo, Philly, Dallas. Look at the way their safeties and corners come off of their men, play the football, and make plays that change the game. But again, I'm going to go here. Jonathan Abram. Nice kid. Nothing. He seems like a great kid. I've got nothing against him. He cannot play safety in the NFL, and we're never going to even compete against the Chiefs in this division. The great Art, Al Davis drafted Art Shell to, because he knew he had to go up against Buck Buchanan twice a year. He traded for Willie Brown because he knew he had to guard Otis Taylor. The Raiders are never going to go up against the Chiefs when our weakest part of our field is matching up against the, the Chiefs' strengths. I love Jonathan Abram, but this defense is the reason why. I just can't see this team winning 9 out of 12 games. I think the offense can score 30 points a game. I don't know that the defense is ever going to be able to, to make enough plays. Two interceptions, one fumble through five games. It's not the coaches, and you're not going to coach these guys to have an ability you're born with. So I'd like to see more blitzing. I'd like to see them take more chances on defense if you're Patrick Graham. Because you know what? It's proven you're not going to guard guys straight up. You might as well blitz all-out blitz guys like uh, Merrick and Abram. Create some havoc because they're not going to get it done. Nothing against them. They're just not those kind of players. And after three and four years of watching this, I don't see it changing anytime soon. But I still think we can go on a run and make it competitive, maybe make a run. I just don't know if nine.
defense is just bad. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. God, he's good. You don't have to agree with everything there, but Chris in West Oakland is real good. And he gives you some strong points there on what the Raiders need to do. And look, it's really the point of what I've been saying the whole time about with Dave Ziegler. I believe in Dave Ziegler. I've gotten to know him. Uh, He's a guy that I believe in his character, what he's doing, and his background as a scout with Denver, what he did with Belichick inside that organization. It should be clear to every Raider fan that he needs time to get players here. For those who said, well, you know, Raiders won 10 games last year. Why do they have to take a step back? They don't have to take a step back. I didn't predict them to win 10. I thought they'd win another game or or be around 10. But they have a new regime here, and they want their guys. And a lot of the guys from the other regime were terrible. Okay? They were terrible. And they had to gut those guys and get them out of here. And there's still some guys left that are definitely not going to be here because they're not good enough to play for this regime. Now, it'd be nice if this regime was winning more games. If this regime had three wins, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The most difficult thing I do in a very easy job, which is a blessing and just a dream in my life, is to try to dip the show in reality. In reality is not fans saying fire the coach after three or four games. That's not reality. That's not going to happen. The reality is, well, this player's got this. Uh, Reality is looking at the big picture in the real estate market, the stock market, with your health and wellness, whatever it is, and having having a plan going forward that you think can change for the better, right? That's what this is. How are the Raiders going to get to the point where they're constantly winning? That you know how bad the Buffalo Bills were during the Brady era. Does anybody remember that? I do. Doing a national show every weekend, the Buffalo Bills before Josh Allen sucked, and they never competed against Brady, and the Jets never competed against Brady. Now the difference between the Bills and the Jets, you know, the Jets are a work in progress. We'll see what's happening, but the Bills are built now for the long term. They figured it out. They drafted the right linebackers and safeties and corners. They got lucky and accurate with the quarterback out of Wyoming. No one thought he was going to be that good. Buffalo took a chance, and they won that bet. And now everything looks good for them to be surpassing Kansas City. And maybe they surpass Kansas City, and they're the elite team in the AFC for not 17 or 18 years like Brady, but maybe they're an elite team for five or six years. That's exactly what John Gruden's plan was. Exactly. It was to match up with Kansas City, beat Kansas City consistently, and take the next step as an organization. We know what happened. Henry Ruggs, the Gruden emails, the issues from around the league. It was a bad break. It was awful, awful timing what happened. So they've now transitioned into a new plan. It's not off to a sweet start, but it's a plan that they believe in in the building. Got to win games. Just got to win games, and you got to fight hard. And you got to beat the teams in front of you you're supposed to beat. Because this, this was a second-place schedule. It was difficult. We only had one home primetime game at the end of the year against the Patriots. They put the Raiders on the road against the Chargers and the Chiefs out of the gate instead of getting those games at home. They made it very difficult, and the Raiders did not answer the bell. They were not ready, and we thought they were 4-0 in the preseason. Now they've had a bye week. Guys are getting healthier. they got to be ready now excuses die the record stands this is a one in four football team that i think is much better than their one in four record but they got to prove it against the houston texans i didn't think i'd give this much coverage to the texans we're going big with the texans all week so the raiders can get a win and get moving again
Carr is out of the gun on second and goal. Snap, handoff Jacobs, probes the middle, pushing, pushing, touchdown Raiders! He would not be denied. He got right on the back of Dylan Parham and Andre James at a one-yard Jacobs touchdown run. Gives the Raiders a 13-0 lead one minute into the second quarter. There he is, Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders on the call. JT with you, Harry Ruiz next hour, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Open lines for you at 702-365-9200 as we're brought to you by Modelo, the beer with the fighting spirit. I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo or two on a weekly basis. We love our friends at Modelo, proud partner of our show. So what we're trying to do is figure out where the Raiders are. We know where the Raiders are. They're one in four. Let's not backtrack anymore. We've we spent about a month and a half on this. Let's go forward and hear from you this week what the Raiders need to do to win this game. As I put out in front of you the stats and what Houston does well, their bend-no-break defense, what they're able to do, their scoring defense, they keep you out of the end zone, and what the Raiders have to do to win this game. And I mean have to win this game. Okay, I'm not a big guy if you've been listening to me, a make-or-break guy. I don't look six weeks ahead. I take it one week at a time. And I think that's where the Raiders are. But with the Texans, it's balls out on this one, everybody. I mean, this is one that you can't spin. And for those who think that we should you know, light a flame around the Raider facility every time they lose a game, you know, we show respect. We show respect as the flagship station. But this is one that there's just no way to come out of this game unless they win and have a fair conversation about what's going to happen the rest of the year. This is a game that the Raiders must win, have to win, should win, and do it all. But let's figure out how they pull that out and what type of game they're going to play. And if you think they're going to run the football, if you like what Josh Jacobs is doing, which is great. Raiders with Ken Stabler weren't a throwing team, it was a running team. They ran behind Highway 63, Upshaw Shell. Look at the fullbacks they had and the running backs they had. When they had a pass, you know why guys like Belitnikoff, Cliff Branch, Dave Casper, you know why those guys were open? Because other teams had to stuff the box because the Raiders just ran it down your throat. And they played physical, and they were a very physical team and very balanced. And they had a legend like Ken Stabler that could work off play action because they were able to run it well. Uh, the Raiders have been running it better, so you would assume that that would open up some play action. I would assume that that's going to open up the passing game, and the passing game is going to be a little bit stronger than what we've seen so far this year. That's the way I look at it. That's the positives there. On the defensive side, here's a, a layup for everybody listening to me today. What is the obvious change that you think the Raiders made during the bye week? Got to be an answer to that. What change do, do the Raiders make on the bye week to the defense to help out Max Crosby? I can't sit here and do a deep dive on this defense other than Max. Other guys have played well at times. It's a team sport. You win as a team, you lose as a team. But I can't sit here and tell you, hey, last year Denzel Perryman threw about five games was a pro bowler. He was. We're like, oh, my God, man, they nailed this Denzel Perryman pick. And they brought him in from the Chargers, and he really played well and became a pro bowler. Well, he missed a couple of games this year so far. He's been banged up. We can't talk about that. Rocky Asin. Has anybody seen Rocky Asin play well? If you look at the tape, which I do, if you're, if you're studying the games, he's playing well. Is he elite? He's not Deion Sanders. This isn't Daryl Green. This isn't Mike Haynes. So what, what do you see about this? And, you know, Chris opened up the show and lit a kerosene fire all over the 70s in Trayvon Merrigan, Jonathan Abram. So what did Patrick Graham do 
in this off week, other than to see his family and friends and hopefully get away for a little bit and recharge, what is going to be the different look that you'd like to see Sunday at Allegiant Stadium? What's the one obvious that you think this defense needs to do? Is it blitzing more? Is it, uh, what, do you, what do you see doing? Safety blitzes? Do you want to take chances? As Chris mentioned, Jonathan Abram, I don't want to see him have to cover anybody anymore. So if you're going to leave him on the field, just have him blitz. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not making fun of him. He can't cover. He can't cover consistently. So have him be a hybrid. Put him on the field, line him up more in the box, and just have him blitz and do that. Because guessing right is not working at the safety position. I like Merrick as a center fielder. The big thing about Trayvon Merrick that I like the most is that he's very aware of what's behind him. He's very aware of the sidelines and what's behind him. But Chris made a point earlier that he doesn't put up stats. He's not a ball hawk. He's not a safety that jumps routes like Ed Reed. You know, the comparisons of these great safeties that see a play develop, and then they break on the ball, and then they pick it off, and they're gone. That hasn't worked for Trayvon Merrick the way it did at college when he did that. There's the NFL. It's Travis Kelsey, man. He did pretty good with Travis Kelsey in between the 20s. It was a problem what happened there in the red zone. Speaking of Travis Kelsey, uh, let's get to Buffalo's win and what we saw yesterday. And I thought it was critical down the stretch for the Buffalo Bills that they made a big play late. It was an interception against Mahomes that put the game away, and that's how you win in that series between Buffalo and Kansas City. Those guys score. It feels like every time they touch the ball, someone needs to make a defensive play, and here's Buffalo doing it. Mahomes takes, has a pocket, gets away to the right a little bit. He fires downfield. It is picked off, picked off of the 20-yard line, intercepted by the Bills, picked off by Darren Johnson. He goes down right there, and the Bills have the football. They are celebrating. They're running down to the end zone for the celebration. They pick off Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they picked off Patrick Mahomes. That's what you do. Mahomes was a little bit sloppy in that game for me. He was thrown into coverage. So was Lamar Jackson, who I'll get to in a moment. You know, these running quarterbacks who can make every throw. And then every once in a while, they make a bad throw. And you look at the bad throw and you say, man, that's weird. Lamar Jackson didn't have to make that throw. Mahomes doesn't have to make that throw. And they went out and did that. I mentioned a couple other teams that won that weren't shocking, but I was on it all week, if you heard me, when we had on Lee Sterling. I love the Falcons outright over the Niners. And the reason I like the Falcons is because they were pissed off by the way they lost to Brady. They got called with a roughing the passer that wasn't. And I think the Falcons could have beat Tampa Bay the week before. So they had a hell of a week of practice, and they completely shut down the 49ers. And Marcus Mariota made plays when he had to. Bird comes in the orbit from left to right. Mariota looks. Now going to loop. And Kyle Pitts caught it. Touchdown. Yeah, they were able to play well. They, they're a good team, the Falcons that are there. They're 3-3. Three and three. Again, another team on paper that I think the Raiders are better than. Another team that most people around the league had the Raiders higher up before the season started in the power rankings, and they're not there. Look at the Patriots. Do you all recall? I was out at the dual practices, the joint practices. The Patriots were a mess. They were a mess. They looked terrible. And the Raiders hammered them in a preseason game. I know it's preseason, but it looked like the Raiders would be better than the Patriots. The Patriots are 3-3, three and three, everybody. They put up 38 points on the Browns. Let's go to Zappi, who's this guy, comes out of nowhere, and he's playing great in his first couple of games. Third and goal from the two. Parker motions left, draws man coverage. Zappi takes the snap. He looks right with a pump. He throws to the middle. Oh. Pass is caught. Touchdown, Patriots. And it is the first for Tyquan Thornton. Starting to get the fever again. 
Yeah, they feel good. You know, there's a controversy now in New England. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Mac Jones or Zappy, who all of a sudden looks like a player who's going to fight to keep his job there. I didn't see that coming. Did you? That's incredible what's going on here. I'm not done yet. How about the Jets? The Jets ended up beating the Packers, not only because, remember, the Packers on special teams have not been doing well. That's Rich Basaccia. Most of us here think the world of Coach Basaccia. He really did a nice job with the Raiders. Special teams and interim head coach. But now the Jets came to play, and everything was better than Green Bay. Their offense, their defense, and right here, the special teams. The Jets block the punt. It's down to the ground, and it's scooped up. Parks heads towards the end zone. Touchdown. It looked like Michael Clemens came through and blocked the punt. Will Parks with a scoop and score. Yeah, the Jets are making plays. They beat the Packers 27-10. to 10. Who had that? Ladies and gentlemen, the Jets are 4-2 and two and 3-0 and oh on the road. 3-0 and oh on the road, the Jets. So they're doing something right. And again, that is a roster that is young. They got a better younger roster than the Raiders, but I don't think a better veteran roster, an overall team. And they're just taking advantage of opportunities there. They outscored the Packers in Lambeau 24-7 to in the second half of that game. Uh, the Colts beat the Jaguars 34-27. to That's a big game for the Raiders because they're playing the Colts and the Jaguars coming up and the Jaguars are now two and four one and three on the road and the Colts are three two and one Colts are a good team Matt Ryan passed Dan Marino on the all-time passing yard list Dan Marino so Matt Ryan's going to be playing in that Raider game and he's got damn good experience Uh, Joe Burrow made a big play late Cincinnati won the AFC last year and went to the Super Bowl. I thought this play from Chase, uh, getting the ball from Burrow, was the key in the game. Burrow waits for the shotgun snap back at the 20. It's first and 10 at the 15. Burrow catches, looks, fires, Boom. Chase, touchdown! Yeah. Burrow threw a bullet right on the money. Chase does the gritty. Bengals Radio, I bring up that game because the Raiders play the Saints in two weeks. The Saints are 1-3 and three at home, led by Dennis Allen. 1-3. and three. The Raiders play in New Orleans. This is not a great Saints team, everybody. Raiders are going to have to win that game. Joe Burrow was able to do it. Can Derek Carr do that coming up? And then one more game because i got a lot more I want to get to. The Giants found a way. The Giants were down 10 points to the Ravens. 10 points in the fourth quarter with Daniel Jones. I didn't think they had a chance to get it done, but they were able to score behind Saquon Barkley. And then when the Giants needed a big play on defense, they got this huge interception. Jackson in a shotgun set. Bubble snap. Retreats. He's under pressure. He's back at the 20. Sidearms and intercepted. Picked off by Julian Love at the 40. He's to the 35-30. Love cuts at the 20. Hurdles a man at the 15. And he's tackled at the 14-yard line. That's a big play. Listen to the crowd there. The crowd at the Meadowlands where I grew up. Giants Radio. And the Giants are right in the hunt there. Uh, We are brought to you by our great friends at Resorts World. Check out Red Tail at Resorts World, the newest property on the Strip. You can go there for UFC. They got karaoke rooms, live entertainment, Monday night football, and then my home for Monday night football, Doghouse Saloon. You park for free. You come out of the elevator. You're into Doghouse. That's where the sports book is. You have a great time. Monday night football at Doghouse Saloon. Owen to swing and a miss. Freeman went after a slider in the dirt, and the ball game is over. The series is over. 
They defeat the Dodgers in four games to advance to the National League Championship Series. How about baseball, everybody? I'm a Yankee fan, and I am on edge. I'm on absolute edge tonight. As the Yankees ended up getting it done, San Diego ends up beating the Dodgers, and that's a big topic today and something I'd normally spend a lot of time on, but the Raiders are coming off the bye week, and it's Monday here. Welcome back to the show, brought to you by our great friends Virgin Hotels Las Vegas, all the restaurants, the pool, everything they have there at Cassie Beach for you. Head on out to Virgin Hotels. So the Padres beat the Dodgers, and people are talking about the Dodgers choking, collapsing. Anyway, you want to spin it, they did because they won 111 games and they won one playoff game. They were not built for the playoffs because Walker Bueller got hurt. Trevor Bauer's been suspended for two years, which is alarming. I'm not, I don't support Trevor Bauer, but they haven't been able to figure out what's going on with that case. And he's a great pitcher, not good. So if they had Walker Bueller and Trevor Bauer, they held on to Clayton Kershaw for too long. Kershaw was held on to for too long. And they didn't have a closer. They didn't even have any chance of having a closer. They left their closer off the playoff roster. So they had nothing. They were in a situation where they were not going to win long term, but everybody thought because of that lineup, that lineup, which is a great lineup, the Dodgers lineup was loaded, loaded. They can score eight to 10 runs every game. I'm not exaggerating. And they weren't able to do that. Hater, the closer for the Padres, is unhittable right now. He wasn't when he came there. And the Padres have two studs, Juan Soto. And Manny Machado. And look, Tatis has been a train wreck. He got caught for cheating. And they're doing it even without Tatis. So the Padres and the Phillies, here's something that we all have in common, everybody. No single person, not one single person had this. Phillies and Padres in the NLCS. Not one. And there are people who get paid to do this for a living. Tom Verducci, Bob Costas, John Morosi. All the people that you see on these playoff desks who sit there and they're called analysts. Nobody had this, which what does that mean? That means that baseball with this wild card format of having three wild card teams, the scenario was set up for someone to get hot and someone to get cold very quickly. We saw that with the Green Bay Packers last year. The Niners came in and the Niners ended up beating the Packers and the Packers were cold. They had the best record there. The Niners jumped on them. It was over. In baseball, you run into hot pitching or hot bats and the Dodgers didn't have either. Is it on Dave Roberts? Yeah, it's, it's hard to fire a manager when he wins 111 games or more than that. It's, it's really hard. But the Chargers fired Marty Schottenheimer when he was 14-2. and two. If you can't win in the playoffs, your job's on the line. And there's a lot of coaches. Andy, Andy Reid couldn't win the big one. Now Andy Reid can win the big one. So Dodger fans, you have to be devastated by this.